Greetings program, hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie, Tron. This is Minute 21. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and with me today is my well-rounded, talented, striking, and thoroughly creative guest co-host, Adam Liebrich-Johnson. Welcome, Adam. Greetings, program. <laughs> Greetings. Uh, so, let's see what happens in this minute. We'll go over it. Uh, Dr. Laura Baines, Alan, and Flynn all keep on talking on the couch, and Flynn admits that he had indeed been trying to hack into NCOM, and he starts to tell them the reason why. It's a pretty good, pretty good, uh, pretty good minute there. Yeah, there's a lot of exposition here, but it doesn't feel exposition-y. It's really true. It's really true. Uh, uh, a, a scene like this in another movie could have been like, oh, here we go. But this actually sounds like a conversation. But, yeah, Jeff Bridges is just so good at, at conveying information. Yeah. While playing sweet, sweet electronic football. <laughs> Some ColecoVision. No, that's uh, uh, that's the, uh, oh gosh, who made that? I think it's Coleco. Is it Tiger? Yeah, he's playing a ColecoVision electronic quarterback released in 1978. Okay, so it's not the electronic football I'm familiar with. No, the Sears got the rights to it, and they called it Electronic Touchdown. I think that's what it is. It might be. What did What did you think it was? And then it was uh, there was a Mattel Electronic Football. It might be the same thing. I don't know. Uh, it might be a, the, the Mattel might be a re-release of the, uh, the the original Electronic Football. But there's there was an Electronic Baseball in the same. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the same form factor and stuff. There, there, there it seems that's like right. there are a lot of uh, a lot of knockoffs as well. So maybe I had one of the knockoffs when I was a kid. Yeah, maybe. I think they had a lot of a lot of very similar a lot of similar gameplay to them, same noises and same same basic shape. I could never really figure out how to play it because I didn't understand football all that well. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember it was something similar, like it's like, oh okay, shooting down alien spaceships. Alright. Oh, what's a down? <laughs> oh, how many how many how many yards? Okay. Let's uh... So Flynn admits that he has it's like, I don't know, it's one of those drawbacks, I guess, to using some of those games is you have to know the rules of some of the sports. Yeah. So Flynn admits that he's been doing a little hacking. Hacking. Uh, a little hacking. Now, I think hacking was a term that was maybe not in the mainstream at that particular time. Like, war games didn't come out until 1983. Yeah. And from what I can find on the internet, the term got popular just in the early 80s. So mm -hmm. it wasn't common, but... I think later in the 80s, it started to become more popular and people started to talk about it more. You can tell uh, that uh, this movie is pre the hacking genre of movies because nobody says we're in. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man, but they sure did say that in uh, Legacy, didn't they? I think they said that in Legacy. I'm pretty sure they did, yeah. Yeah, I'm in. That was. I think that's one of the lead-ins to the soundtrack on one of the tracks on the soundtrack. Although but That's uh, a very good point. Although their representation of hacking in this movie is no more accurate than anyone else's, because uh, no, I'm sure there's a, not, not a program the... driving a little tank around inside uh, inside the uh, the mainframe of, of of a major corporation. No, I don't think so. It's very, it's very, uh, it's also it's well represented. It's yeah. wonderfully represented and also wildly inaccurate, like the well, rest is, of everything. That you know, the, the 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 NCOM security system looks a lot like space paranoids. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> very much so. <laughs> Yeah, and he uh, yeah he did a lot of tanks for video games that ended up being the literal tanks inside the uh, in the grid. I think it was here. It's like in reaction to the increasing media use of the term, 
exclusively with criminal connotations, the computer community began to differentiate their terminology using alternative terms such as cracker, which were coined in an effort to maintain the distinction between hackers. And then they also had uh, black hat, white hat, and gray hat. That, and those sort of three factions were developed when laws against breaking into computers came into effect so they could distinguish criminal activities from legal activities. And it's and, uh, uh, hack, the hacking culture is sort of an outgrowth of uh, phone freakers. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, it's the same kind of people doing the same kind of things. You know, phone freakers would would do stuff to get free long distance calling and things like that, and yeah, people would hack to do the same thing. They'd you know change their bank records or school records or what have you. Yeah, yeah. In Ferris Bueller's Day Off, changing his absent absent days, and and even even uh, even Flynn says it in the beginning of the movie. He's like, this isn't something as simple as changing my bank balance or changing my phone records. Which again, where, what, what's why is the implication that Flynn is destitute if he can change his bank balance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can all of a sudden have ten grand with a couple of with a couple, you know, a few hours work on the computer. Then, and it seems like he's good enough that he could do it without getting noticed. Yeah, without getting caught. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It is the the, the central premise that he's not having a great life, that he's somehow been excommunicated to a destitute existence, really does not come across. I mean, I totally get understand that him wanting credit for his. Uh his work but yeah for sure but at the like same that. time he's not he's not he's not he's not begging he's not panhandling he's not uh begging for money on the streets no and it's interesting because he he wasn't doing something legal like he got kicked out kind of rightfully yeah he was using company time to to work on his own projects yeah like he got caught and thrown out like it was unethical of them to literally steal his stuff and well, say I, I don't even know theirs. i don't even know i don't even it, know it, 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 it might not have been it might have been unethical but i don't think it would have been against policy because if he's if he's working for them as a programmer then he's probably doing work for hire which means anything he does on their equipment on their time belongs to them yeah like in the speech which is again wonderfully delivered flynn talks about how he worked at Incom and he's so smart SMRT that he started going in at night and set up his own private memory file to make his Which own games. Which is a term that makes no sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My yeah. own private memory and, file. You mean you saved something onto the hard drive? You saved something? You know, like yeah. He mentions that he made Space Paranoids, Matrix Blaster, and Vice Squad, and then he says, "I was this close to starting my own little enterprise, man." <laughs> and. uh and the thing is, that's illegal. And all the computer games companies that I've worked for, I'm a, I'm a computer animator for video games. Like, if you make something on the company premises, it's theirs. Like, yeah, because it. it's because it's, it's work for hire. Anything you do, yeah. anything you do using their equipment is theirs. Yeah, but, and if you use company time to make a competing product, like you're out, you're out. That's it. You can't, you can't do that. And they could sue you for for uh, profits. Yeah. So Flynn's doing something incredibly illegal and unethical to begin with. So it's a it's a little strange to paint him as this maligned anti-hero when he was very much in the wrong in the first place. But, but also I also maybe... think that it wasn't really that, uh, you know, the, the realities of computer programming and stuff probably weren't that high in the cultural uh, in the cultural mindset of the time. So they people might have might have thought that 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 it was he was doing the right thing. It's also true because. Like. And also maybe today's rules 
like weren't in place at that time like maybe, maybe the laws, you know, it, it, the laws that industry. we have today are, the young industry so maybe the laws we have today are like as a result of the flins of the past getting away with it and then people are, oh well we got to write laws about this yeah i noticed he's got another uh, sweet pair of 80s headphones sitting on the couch behind him that's right that's right is it a different pair do you think he's got his walkman headphones that he's got around his neck but he's got his nice uh music listening headphones for th that nice stereo equipment he had sitting on the couch there too oh yeah he does those are nice those are nice ones and they're a little rectangular aren't they they're the kind of like those rectangular yeah. headphones 80s and he's got that sweet 80s light behind him the giant silver sphere yep uh, uh reading light hanging over his couch those so you cushions are very 70s too yeah so you mentioned as uh, you're going up the stairs in the the maintenance room the those sweet posters on the wall yeah as part of as part of the flynn lives arg they sent out posters for space paranoids matrix blaster and vice squad on postcards to the people playing the game i thought i remembered seeing something like that yeah yeah and they're gorgeous i, I don't think any one of those posters up on the wall is what we got but like yeah they make me want to play those games even though they don't awesome. exist but yeah, yeah i got yeah. i think i got a set of four postcards and each was a different game poster i know it was space paranoids matrix blaster and vice squad i can't remember the fourth one i think it might have been tron but i'm, I'm not sure right right but, but all this all the stuff that came out of that uh flynn lives game was fantastic yeah, they really did a good job of uh, sort of pre pre publicizing that movie, and and a lot of stuff that went into it was very well done. I thought, yeah. which makes me sad the movie didn't do better because uh, all yeah, the marketing it for did. it was great. The marketing was great. The movie did pretty good. I think there was some. I feel like it's unfairly maligned. I feel like the original is unfairly maligned. I feel like Legacy yeah. is unfairly maligned, and I feel like it's just this little this train. This like you know, I think I can. I think I can. This like the little I, engine that could. Where I'm like, please, get off the ground. Like take, take that leap to the. It needs. It still somehow needs that point where it breaks and becomes, you know, Mad Max Fury Road or some yeah. sort of something really like you know, or maybe the upcoming Ghostbusters movie. Like I don't know how how that one's gonna be, but I hope it's yeah. amazing and I hope that there's something that really kicks it up into high gear because I really want this to be. And there was the, the cartoon, the television show, the cartoon, the Disney cartoon that was for one season. And that was fantastic. It yeah. was really, really good. Yeah. I've, I've uh, seen, I, I've only seen a few episodes of that, but I really enjoyed it. And I, I really yeah. liked legacy. I love the world they established in legacy. I love the idea yeah. of the, you know, in Tron it's, it's all computer programs created for a purpose, but in legacy it's all computer programs as their own people. Yeah, yeah, their own which, sort of naturally occurring entities, which I really liked, and I, I'm I'm sad that it didn't do well enough to get a third movie out of it because I really did enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Especially since they were going to bring David Warner back for uh, Tron Three if they ever did, if they ever got around. To oh, it. they were going to because that's yeah. one thing that I thought was really missing from Legacy was I thought when uh, what's his face Zeus or when the the guy that owns the nightclub there yeah Zeus. Uh, was going to reveal okay so in the back room here we have the leader of the rebellion and you can you can talk to him I thought they were going to have David Warner in one of those like Dumont suits mm -hmm. uh, like some some big suit and he's super he's like ancient 
but he's he's like he's still got the scar in his forehead and he's uh from the fight where they had with tron and he's just he's seen the error of his ways and now he's leading the rebellion that's where i thought they were going i thought there was no. going to be i thought sark would be in there i no, thought they, celia murphy would be in there but yeah but no they, they'd been talking about when if they ever got a chance to do a third one they wanted to bring uh david warner both in his human persona and his uh his programs back that would be fantastic because in the in the board meeting in the beginning they had cillian murphy as yep. the son of sark and i was yep. like if you could get cillian murphy and david warner on screen at the same time and david warner's like this awful aging father figure with a really mean son and then they're both in the same in the computer world that would be that would just be so good oh my gosh that would be so good there's one constant between the two movies it's that ncom is a really terrible place to work yeah really feels that way they're very soulless and heartless uh we should talk a bit a little bit more about hacking yes hacking fun hacking that's one thing, um, like, one thing I remember reading about on the show, Mr. Robot, is that they actually had computer hackers on set going over the script so that the actual hacking scenes were good. That they weren't just, like, complete fiction, weird rock and roll fantasy nonsense that would make most programmers roll their eyes. You know, like somebody saying, enhance, enhance, like yeah, Mr. Or Robot. Like the, uh, the traffic-like sequence in the Italian job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like I guess like there was they, they said there was white hat hackers and black hat hackers and like white hats were ethical hackers that would be like employed for penetrating penetration testing of like networks. And then there was like gray hacker gray hats who hacked with good intentions but without permission. Mm-hmm. I suppose I suppose somebody like anonymous or something like that could fit into that. Or if they discovered a crack in a network security they'd contact the place and offer to fix it for a fee so stuff like that yep i've known uh i've known some people who do some some white hat stuff and uh it can be pretty lucrative i imagine like what was the guy uh there's a bit here on kevin mitnick there's someone in my in my notes here kevin mitnick did you come across him i I have not he also went by the Condor or the Dark Side Hacker. He was arrested in 1995 in a very high-profile arrest and spent five years in prison. Um, but he was hacking at the age of 12 in 1978, uh, 1975, uh, by using like social engineering and dumpster diving. Like for a school project. <laughs> right? And after yeah. that, he went into the dumpsters next to the bus company garage and picked up all the unused transfers that have been thrown out. And so he had a hole punch, and he had the the transfers, so then he had, like, free bus rides all around Los Angeles. And that, to me, is a good example of, like, the precepts of hacking. It's like a lot of, you know, all, it's always depicted as your is you're some sort of wizard with ones and zeros, but there's yeah. a fair, there's a fair amount of just exploiting loopholes in the real world as well. Yeah. You're just, you're looking for places where security is weak. It doesn't matter if it's uh, in the digital realm or if it's in the real world, you're, you're looking for, uh, you're looking for weaknesses and you're exploiting them. Yeah. You know, it's like the, yeah. the, it's like the trope of you can get anywhere. Uh, you can get anywhere you want as long as you're wearing an orange vest and carrying a clipboard. Exactly. If you're carrying, a, yeah, if you've got an orange vest and a, a ladder or a clipboard, then you can just stroll right into wherever you want to go. Mm-hmm. 
There's a guy. There's a whole website based on that. There's a guy that tries to get into festivals and tries to get into buildings, and he tests out that exact theory. Like with an orange vest, orange vest and a clipboard, how far can I go? And he's gone into some amazing places. <laughs> I think there's. It's at some point you've got to get in over your head with that stuff and be a little freaked out. I would be, especially yeah. if you're just doing it for a lark. Like if you're doing it for a goal, like for a heist, that's one thing. But if you're like, let's see how far I can get, and then you're in the inner offices of the Pentagon, and you're like, okay. Uh, what have I done? <laughs> you know, that, that one's probably a little harder than most. <laughs> I am, okay, yeah. Perhaps that's not a great example. I imagine that would be pretty difficult to get into. But then in 1979, at age 16, he broke into Digital Equipment Corporation, and he was charged and convicted for it in 1988. He got one year and three years probation, but near the end of that probation, he hacked into Pacific Bell and got caught and was on the lam for two and a half years. And while on the run, he gained access to dozens of computer networks, cloning cell phones to hide his location, reading private emails, stealing computer passwords, identity theft, forgery, wire fraud. Like it's that catch-me-if-you-can kind of thing. Yeah, well, and pa- he, paper he hanging got, is just another, is a, is a precursor to hacking, too. So For sure, exactly. And he ended up being sentenced to 46 months for those crimes and 22 months for violating the terms of his earlier release. And I he got served he served five years in prison four and a half of which were pre-trial which is pretty intense and then he did eight months in solitary and he wasn't a he was a young kid so but they were they were treating him like hannibal lecter somebody said some of the news stations were saying that he could start a nuclear war by whistling into a payphone (laughs) which i think sort of helps paint the 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 hysteria that was happening at the time and how and the ignorance just the ignorance flying around about what the what the the talents and possibilities involved in hacking were actually capable of doing yeah there's a huge controversy at the time high profile campaigns uh asked for his release there was claims that the evidence against him was falsified he and then but afterwards he wrote a book called the art of deception and about how he just he would just lie to people and con them into giving up their passwords you know like that's the oldest kind of hacking there is like you call them and say hey we need your password and somebody would say oh okay here yeah and, and then uh, they're they're in that's that's like one of the basic rules of of anything is you don't give people your password yeah ever like the right? companies always say we we will never ask for your password yeah, if any company contacts you asking for your password, they're by definition not the company, right? Exactly. He's been up, but he got out. He's still. He's got a. Uh, his his. He's got a website, Mitnick Security, right now. He's a paid security consultant for a lot of Fortune 500 companies, like to this day. And that's where can. that's where uh, that's where a lot of the black hats end up, is they end up going into uh, cybersecurity because they know how to circumvent it, so they know how to. Uh... They know how to make it so they can't circumvent it. Yeah, right. And I think uh, is, is it Google or one of the one of the big tech companies has a has a prize basically. If if, uh, if you point out a security flaw that they're unaware of, they give you a bounty and they they fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they did the same thing with the guy with Apple. This guy had a whole uh, website called jailbreakme.com or something like that where you could get your phones mm-hmm. jailbroken, your iPhones jailbroken. And they they got in touch with him and said, hey, do you want a job? And they offered him uh, they offered him a job, in, I guess, in exchange for shutting the whole operation down. <laughs> but, 
but yeah, he exploited that weakness. That's cool that Google has that that bounty program. Yeah, I think it's Google, but yeah, it's basically if you find a security flaw in one of their products and you inform them of it and you show them how you did it, then they'll give you uh, some amount of money and then they'll they'll then they'll you know fix the fix the hole. Like that was like Nicholas Allegra was the name of the guy who did the jailbreak me with. Like, and a lot of these people were. A problem was that a lot of these people were breaking laws that hadn't been written yet. Like if they were if they were hacking in order to do identity theft or to steal money, then there was some way to charge them. But sometimes they were doing things that were like, is this against the law? I don't know. Like what can we charge them with? I, I'm I'm not sure. You know, you so it was a very interesting time in history, and I think that's probably still going on to a lot of extent. Like there's uh patent patent trolling right yep patent trolling where you you buy a patent that's tangentially related to something and then you sue a big corporation uh, to say that you own the patent for for example uh somebody was trying to go after podcasters by saying they own the patent to downloading audio from the internet right right like stuff like that where it's like okay obviously that's ridiculous but there's nothing on the books Okay, yeah. so we need to go through the song and dance of this court case so that there mm-hmm. is precedent going forward. Exactly. There's another one uh, that tried to get iTunes shut down because he said he owned the, he owned the patent for uh, playlists. <laughs> oh, oh, I think there was somebody that was going after Samsung as well for saying they had the patent for doing any kind of gesture on your touchscreen. Yep. I think that one got pretty far, actually, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. It was also, I mean, the other thing about security is your own, the password that you choose. You know, like, don't make your password, I think the top three are, like, God, Sex, and 1234. Uh, the, the most popular password in the in the country is Password. Yes, Password, that's right. and uh, And it's also characters i mean computers don't care about special characters or capital letters if you're trying to like yeah so that's something that always frustrates me whenever websites are asking me to set up a password and they're like oh include a capital letter but i think that's because if you have made your password password and then you make the a a four then that is i guess somewhat harder to crack but yeah well you know anything any way you can add complexity is good but the best passwords are always some sort of phrase that doesn't mean anything to anyone yeah that was the the strongest password, according to the XKCD comic that I saw. Was just three middle length words. Something you'll you know, remember, like, but something that doesn't that's unrelated to anything. And, yeah, uh, like magical refrigerator unicorns or interesting puppet danglers or something like that. It's something yep. that's like I have no idea. And then because a computer would take a century to try to brute force something that long, and then and also nobody would be able to just guess it especially if you did it really random and as long as you didn't write it down and leave it beside your computer yep i uh worked with somebody a few years ago who had all their passwords on post-it notes around their monitor yeah (laughs) which is it just defeats the purpose but you understand including like their bank passwords and stuff oh my gosh and it was an open plan office so anybody could just walk by and see see their monitor and what was written around it but they also uh, they're also one of those types that think if they turn off the monitor they're turning off the computer yeah that's right what was that famous it call 
someone got where they uh, this person was saying that their computer wouldn't turn on, and so the guy came to the office. The other the person was like, "Oh look, the uh, well the monitor it won't. I mean this the, my computer won't turn on." And then he's like, "Well, where's the computer?" And the person was like, "Well, it's right there," you know, pointing at the monitor on the desk. And he's like, "No, the the like the big box underneath your desk. Where's that?" And the person was like, "Oh, I." Uh, I threw it out. I thought it was just like an air conditioning unit or something like that. <laughs> I was like, no, that's that was the computer. That was the actual computer. Yep. Which I guess makes sense. It's easy to laugh at them, but if you don't know anything, then it's easy to make mistakes. Like I, I, I try and have an understanding of stuff like that, but sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes, yeah. There's a, a great article by a guy named Momo Estrella. Uh, who talks about how he once split up with a girlfriend and was super angry, but when he got the prompt from his work computer to change his password, he changed it to forgive her. But like forgive at sign yeah. H3R. And that became this mantra that he had to type in like six times a day whenever his company wanted him to change the, uh, the password again every three months. And then he did quit smoking forever and save for a trip to Thailand and a bunch of other ones. And so it became this this mantra of advice and of like positive reinforcement and, you know, just using your using your password like that. And I thought that was a really, really cool idea. Give yourself also, a goal or also less likely to be hacked by Kevin Flynn at that point. Yeah, definitely. Although, may, although maybe Flynn could get into something like that. Maybe he could, maybe he could. He's got a positive edge to him. He might be able to, to come up with something like that. Did you ever see uh, the core? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, it's not a it's not a very good. Well, it's a very interesting movie with an amazing cast. Uh, but DJ Qualls is in it, and he plays um, a hacker that can just like yeah, tap on a phone, and then you'll never pay for long distance again in your life. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. They're like wizards, like in the Matrix or something like that. All the hackers in the Matrix or that movie, the hackers, or yeah. the hackers. So. Or did you ever see, uh, there's a picture of Shaggy, the Pirate Bay's co-founder, and he's just really, really skinny guy with long hair and a green t-shirt. He looks exactly like Shaggy from the cartoons. Pretty funny. Yeah. I remember I went to a, a party once that was filled with a bunch of hackers, and I was upstairs looking for the bathroom, and I didn't know anybody there. So I walked into this room, and there was a bunch of, a bunch of guys huddled around a computer, and they turned to look at me like they'd been caught doing something. But then they looked harder at me, and then one of them said, oh, it's okay, he doesn't even know what we're doing. And then they went, <laughs> back, to, they went back to what they were doing. And I didn't, it was just characters on the screen, I wasn't. Were, the, were they hacking? They, I, they, I, I assume they were, because it, it looked <laughs> like they were, do, they were up to no good using some sort of prompts. Yeah. And, uh, but then they turned their backs on me and continued on, and I, I ended up, I felt like an ant. I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm like beneath their notice. Yeah. Well, it's it's not that's not something where my skills lie. So I I I avoid all that stuff. Yeah. I'll stick to watching it in the movies and watching them get it wrong. Yeah, watching them totally get it wrong. This. Uh, oh, he also says Sherman set the way back machine for three yep, great, years ago. Great reference to Rocky and Bullwinkle and uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Peabody and Mr. Sherman. Sherman and Mr. Peabody on the uh, on their history. That's what, what. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. It's been a while. Uh, classy bow tie wearing dog. Mm-hmm. And then he's got a, a pet human, and he's got the Wayback Machine. One thing I found out looking up there is that Wayback is like an acronym, like W A 
Yeah, W-A-B-A-C. Okay. So that's just uh, up there, although they never state what the acronym is for. You know, one thing One thing I've noticed in looking uh, at actual movies from the 80s versus period pieces set in the 80s is a lot of period pieces set in the 80s will hit you over the head with references to make sure you know you're in the 80s. Yeah. Whereas here, that that kind of stuff just seems to flow naturally. It's not because it's actually in the time period. Yeah, that's what I really liked about those uh, Stranger Things was they had, it was like the good parts of the 80s. Yeah. And there they, was, didn't, they, they didn't hit you over the head with references. It was just, no, this is the time period. Uh, or other things, they were like, look at this, neon clothes, video games, pinball, you know, all that. This yeah. is just sort of. Remember this? Yeah. I also like that, like, because there's some movies, there was a movie called Down With Love that had Ewan McGregor and Renelle Zellweger in it, and it was a 60s musical. Mm-hmm. And so it was set in the 60s, kind of like Mad Men, before Mad Men. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. But they spent the whole time lampooning the 60s. Like, there was a character that smokes way too much, like three at a time, and and... It was really broad and very slapsticky and way really over the top in terms of its its references and it was making fun of the sixties. It wasn't like celebrating the sixties. It wasn't like yeah. trying to just set it in the sixties. It was just really like and so I get that a lot with the eighties throwback shows too, when they're like, Remember this? Or they they're like, Wasn't everybody stupid back then? And it's you can't do that. You, if you're going to set your film in the 80s, you have to not parody it. Or if you're going to parody it, do a, a good job of the style of movie that you're trying to lampoon or something. Because that's one thing I, I really like in the, the third the third season of Stranger Things when Elle and Max go shopping in the mall for clothes. I don't know where they got their money to buy entire outfits, but they look good. Yeah. When, when they finish shopping and they step out of the, the store, they look good. And I was like, oh, good, finally. They don't come out in awful, horrific-looking neon <laughs> clothes with, like, giant teased hairspray mushroom hair. Like, they actually look good. I'm like, yeah, we didn't wear those fashions back then because they looked bad. You know, they look weird to our eyes. But when, when we got it right... We looked really good. And the same goes for the 70s and the 60s and the 50s and the 30s or whatever. Yeah, but, but no one can ever forgive the uh, the mullet. The what? The mullet hairstyle. The mullet, yeah, the mullet. That's, uh, yeah, party in the back, business up front. That's a good one. That 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 was not, that was, a lot of people had those in the 80s and they did not look good. No, they did not look good. Or Rat Tails, I remember, was another one. I, I Just... at, at one time in my life, I had both at the same time. Outstanding. Outstanding, yep. sir. Yep, that was the. Yep, that was me. That was me, little kid me back in the eighties. <laughs> I was mostly a bowl cut kid myself. Nice. Well, I don't know. I think that brings us up about to the end of this uh, this minute. The, the the differences between the screenplay and the novel. There's not too many differences. This whole scene plays out a lot. Of, the dialogue in the in the screenplay and the novel they're pretty much exactly the same on both of them. So that's pretty much the same. Uh, yeah. The. Uh... The the dialogue here is very good. It's very uh, very snappy. It doesn't feel like exposition, even though it is entirely exposition. Yeah. And I think that mostly it's just because Jeff Bridges just delivers it so well. Such a charismatic guy. So good at delivering these lines. Yeah. Yes. And I, and I love Alan's uh, incredulous, you invented space paranoids? Yeah. 
<laughs> He's got a great face for it. What? Sorry, I, I take issue with the word invented in this context. Yeah? Like, I, like I, invented seems more like uh, something for you created a machine or something like that. Uh, I feel like created would be a better word choice. Yeah, that's an interesting one, too, because when you're talking about a game, I remember a guy that was talking like he was in the video game industry and friends of him, friends of his would come up to him and say, OK, I got this great idea for a game. There's a new colony and they're on a new planet and they discover a portal and through that portal comes an alien energy and the alien energy starts to take over the colonists and they start going angry. So there's a lot of civil unrest happening and the guy's like let me stop you right there you've got a great idea for a story you don't have a great idea for a game like the game is the mechanic the game is what you can play when your game is just four gray cubes that yeah. respond to the controls that's the game you know like joust the game the game is that it's one button and you're flying and gravity takes over the game is not ostriches and knights and eggs the game is the dynamics so if you can invent like you can invent pac-man like my argument would be that you can invent a game if the gameplay okay. is unique you know like if you do a clone of doom with a different if you reskin doom with a different skin then you can't you haven't you haven't invented anything you've you've created another another run and gun another maze runner kind of a, okay that makes that makes sense and uh, it does seem that space paranoids has a pretty unique gameplay compared to uh, uh yeah compared to pretty, other games of the time a pretty slow crawling uh 3d shooter 3D, uh, yeah 3d shooter so i think that happens a lot with uh, like the iphone games and uh like cell phone games too like there was certain video games came up with a new dynamic and a new a new control system that could be patented like if you can patent it then you invented the game. But other than that, then you, yeah, you create the game. I, 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 I see where you're coming from for sure. Okay. I, I, I can see that perspective. I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess he could invent space paranoids. Yeah. But it didn't but then, look like he was reinventing the wheel. It didn't look like he was coming up with something that had never been from, from what we see. And that's, a, yeah. I mean, what we see is a fiction. So yep. yeah. Ah, poor Flynn. Poor Alan. But I think Alan finds newfound respect for him in this scene, too. I think Alan's like, you you did what? That's no small feat. Like, you're talking, that's a serious claim. You did those games? Yeah, I guess we're being told that uh, Space Paranoid is a very popular game. Yeah. As, as are, are apparently Matrix Blaster and Vice Squad, though we don't know anything about those. <laughs> we don't know anything about those ones, although I love the titles. The titles, I don't think they came. I don't think they came a hundred percent on the titles of these fictional games. I think they're a little. Vice they're a little. Is that a police game? It must be. I can sort of. I picture it like, like spy, like a, a cross between Spy Hunter and Pole Position, but more with a Miami Vice uh, yeah. vibe to it. Oh, driving God, I, into I, a. I sunset. really want to play that game. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a pretty sweet, a pretty sweet game. I like the idea of it. Like uh, what is it? There's a game right now, not to like date date the date the podcast, but the game right now that's quite popular is the Untitled Goose game. Yep. And that's like four people or a, a really small team in New Zealand. And so I wonder how exaggerated Flynn's claims are here that he solely made by himself in his downtime, like eight 
unique original video games. I think it's hard for one person to create an entire video game. It really is. It takes a team. It takes a team. Like he could have, he could have, he could have started working on the basic mechanics, but to go from that to a fully realized three-dimensional vector graphics game would take an entire team. Yeah, and if he laid the groundwork, but then Encom stole it from him and did the rest, quote unquote, the rest, then yeah, they did create it together. I don't know, including designing the uh, the arcade cabinet, marketing. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Flynn had nothing to do with any of that, you know. Like, like I can see one person creating a game if it's like you know Pong. Yeah, right. Yeah, or like what was it? uh, Tetris. I think that the proceeds from Tetris actually went to the to the USSR government. Yes, yes, they did. Well, now that we've thoroughly destroyed the central premise of this movie. Yeah, now that we've torn apart Tron, this garbage film, it does not hold water at all when you hold it up to the light. That's one thing that I'm wondering about further investigation into this film is whether or not it'll fall apart. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't think it matters that much just because it's so much fun. Yeah, it's just a great movie. Yeah. Well, I guess that brings us up about to the end of this minute. What do you think? Yep, I agree. All right. Well, is there any other places where people can get in touch with you other than the places that you've mentioned already? No, I think I've done that already. Thanks for having me. I've had a good time. Uh yeah, it's been I'm fun really... diving it. It's been fun diving into one of what really is one of my favorite movies. It's really, really good to have you here. I was, uh, I was, like when I heard that you were planning to do a Tron minute by minute, I was like, oh no, well I hope I'm not taking that away from you. But no, no, I'm, you... I'm glad, I'm glad you did it because with the way my life has been going, it's, uh, it would have been probably another year or two before I actually had a chance to start doing it. So I'm, I'm glad you're doing it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy that you're a part of it. And if you want to come back for future minutes, I'd be very happy to have you. Absolutely, just get in touch. All right, cool. Excellent. Well, if you want to get in touch with us here, uh, check out more at tronologicallyspeaking.com or drop us a line on Twitter or email or just go Tronologically Speaking. Put that in there. It'll show up in various forms. Or check us out on uh, the Tron Minute by Minute listeners page. Or hack into the Tronologically Speaking mainframe and uh, deposit a message there. Yeah, or hack into our mainframe. And, uh, yeah. And then shout out to Pond5 for the music and special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. Go on over to moviesbyminute.com and see if your favorite movie is there. It probably is, but if it isn't and you feel like doing a podcast, then consider doing it yourself. All right. Do you want to do end of line on three? Yes, indeed. All right. One, two, three. End End of of line. line.